0: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, November the 14th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On November 14, 1970, a chartered Southern Airways DC-9 crashed. It was trying to land in West Virginia. It killed all 75 people on board, including the Marshall University football team and its entire coaching staff. Today in 1851, Herman Melville's novel, Moby Dick, or The Whale, as it's sometimes referred to, was published in the United States. Today in 1910, Eugene B. Eli became the first aviator to take off from a uh, ship. He was flying a Curtis Pusher, rolled down a, a sloping platform on the deck of the Scout Cruiser USS Birmingham off Hampton Roads, Virginia whole new way of fighting wars was born on that day when they realized they could actually launch airplanes off boats. Today in 1915, African-American educator Booker T. Washington, he died in Tuskegee, Alabama. He was 59 years old. Today in 1969, Apollo 12 blasted off for the moon. And today in 2020, Associated Press is reporting, that Donald Trump supporters unwilling to accept Democrat Joe Biden's election victory gathered in cities across the country, including Washington, D.C., where thousands rallied, I'm quoting Associated Press, where thousands rallied after night fell in the nation's capital. Demonstrators favoring Trump clashed in the streets with counter-protesters, resulting in injuries to demonstrators and police officers. Let's take a look at the elections that are happening. Republican Lori Chavez de Reamer won a critical U.S. House seat in Oregon, necessary to win the majority over the Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives. That was called by Associated Press yesterday. Chavez de Reamer won her race in Oregon's fifth U.S. congressional district. She beat out Democrat Jamie McLeod Skinner, according to the Associated Press. In Washington state, the Associated Press and other media outlets, it wasn't just the Associated Press, they called the U.S. House race for Washington's third congressional district for Democrat Marie Glusenkamp Perez over Republican Joe Kent yesterday morning. 70% of the vote is in, according to, was in at that time. More coming today. Perez was ahead on Sunday. Perez, yesterday, Perez was ahead by just 4,600 votes. The Seattle Times was reporting that there's still 15,000 to count. According to some of the calculations by minds more mathematically inclined than mine, people were saying, wait a minute, Uh, that's not a done deal till it's done. But Associated Press always likes to be the big boy in the room, and so they jump ahead sometimes and make calls based on their bias, in my opinion. And I see them do it consistently, and I have seen them do it for a number of years. However, when they do it now, in that the election is over, supposedly, you have to wonder, are they that committed to the leftist policies? And my answer is, yes, they are for the most part. The most impossible situation in that regard is in Arizona. The Gateway Pundit put out a story this morning, just a couple of hours ago, and they're saying that despite only 17% Democrat turnout on election day, Katie Hobbs and Democrats are winning over 50% of Maricopa County election day totals. That's Maricopa County is... Phoenix and Scottsdale, that area, it's the the most populous part of the state. Gateway Pundit says, on election night, 8 p.m., Uplift Data, that's a data tracking uh, company, they released its final hourly results of the Arizona and Maricopa County elections. Throughout the election cycle, Uplift posted the latest updates on mail-in ballot counts on its website as ballots arrived in the weeks leading up to the election day. This was a great tool for Democrats to understand the real-time results. On Election Day, Uplift tracked the hourly reported results from precincts across Maricopa County. When the polls closed at 8 p.m. Mountain Time, Uplift released its final analysis from the day. This is what they are saying, Gateway Pundit is saying, is impossible. The numbers just simply don't add up. I mean, and the way that they arrived at these numbers. Let me give you just a really quick rundown here, just a couple of minutes. Maricopa County turned uh, turnout numbers on election day at 8 p.m. Republican, this was last Tuesday, almost a week ago now. You know, isn't it sad? I digress for a moment. Isn't it sad that election day is kind of gone now? And I mean, it just doesn't exist. We have an election s- season. And it seems to me that those in power who are corrupt and corrupt enablers that help them—it just seems to me that they they feed these ballots out over a long period of time, so that I don't know. It seems to me that so adjustments can be made. I just don't have as much faith as I wish I had in our voting system. I I, I want to I want to believe that it's just 100 percent. It's good. But there's just so much evidence to the contrary. And I'm not one of these guys that live out there. And you know if you listen to this program every day, I don't talk about corruption in, in voting all the time. And I don't even talk about it all the time during a, an election season. We don't have an election day anymore. We have an election season. And during that season of time, when they start mailing out ballots way in advance, and you know, you know the drill – I mean, they have so depleted, they have undermined one of the institutions in America, as far as I'm concerned. That is my take on it. So anyway, back to my point here. Maricopa County turned out numbers on Election Day at 8 p.m. This was 8 p.m. last Tuesday in Maricopa County. Republicans received 52.7% of the vote, other, quote-unquote, received 30.7% of the vote. Democrats received 16.6% of the vote. The other category, Gateway Pundit says, is likely independents, leaning Republican, and Republican voters who refuse to talk to liberal pollsters. Here is the Uplift, the tracking company's final count chart, and they go into a lengthy chart, which I, I won't take the time to go into, but here's the bottom line. The chart shows that, that that Republicans had 52.7% of the vote on Election Day. Democrats had 16.6% of the vote on Election Day. And the chart that they, they put out with that, the visual, shows the hour-by-hour hour count. And the bottom line is 52.7% Republican vote on Election Day, 16.6% vote Democrat on Election Day. Since Tuesday night... Almost a week ago, Maricopa County has slow-walked their actual results to the press. In other words, they were counted far ahead of what they've been releasing to the press, according to Gateway Pundit. Katie Hobbs has won every ballot drop except two from Maricopa County since Tuesday, extending her lead over Carrie Lake by 34,000 votes. Katie Hobbs won more Election Day votes in the Thursday and Friday ballot drops according to Gateway Pundit. Kerry Lake won fifty one point eight percent of the eighty five thousand Maricopa ballots on Saturday night. On Sunday, Kerry Lake won fifty four percent of the ninety seven thousand Maricopa ballots on Sunday night. Maricopa <laughs> I mean this is Gateway Pundit and they did the they did the work. Maricopa County election officials want you to believe that all of the independent voters on Election Day, all of them, voted Democrat in Maricopa County. Yes, uh, Maricopa County is left-leaning, not like Multnomah County in in Oregon and King County in Washington, but it, it mirrors that or echoes that to some degree. Gateway Pundit says Maricopa County election officials want you to believe that Democrats had 16.6% of the vote on Election Day, and this translated into over 50% of the vote as these votes were counted since Election Day over the last nearly a week. This is as of last night in Arizona. That's why people have concerns about our voting and, and corruption and, and mischief that happens. In, in vo- I mean, there's just too much evidence, and, and this voting by mail over a process of a month or more, uh, it just it's just vulnerable to a few bad apples, bad actors. And that's what concerns me about it. It can also be confusing. And we look at what's going on and we think, how can this be? You know, It's confusing. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in chapter 14, verse 33, 1 Corinthians, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. God brings peace, not confusion, to his people. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and direct, he shall direct your paths. Psalm 32 says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. We have to look at things today that's happening in our world through the eyes, through the lens of God's Word. Because God has given us his Word so we will know what he says, what he believes, what he thinks about the things of life. Whatever they may be, but trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. Yeah, we've got to think things through. He expects us to be thinking people. For sure. The Bible is very clear on that. But he also says there's a point where you just push it aside and say, God is in control, I'm going to be faithful to God, and I'm going to do everything I can do humanly possible, but I'm not going to self-destruct over this. I'm not going to hit the streets and burn down buildings because I know there's stuff going on that shouldn't be. I'm going to do all that I can do legally as a believer, but I'm going to trust God. And I'm going to continue to trust God and continue to trust God. The Hill, which is not a conservative organization, put out a story this morning. that says Democrats hope to win big in the midterms with young voters and women. Instead, they capture small majorities of each group and won big with young women. I want to talk to you a little bit about young, single non-married women today. The exit polls show, according to The Hill this morning, show that 72% of women aged 18 to 29 voted for Democrats in House races nationwide. In a pivotal Pennsylvania Senate race, The Hill says, 77% of young women voted for embattled Democrat John Fetterman, helping to secure his victory. Now, John Fetterman is that guy that ran against, or the Dr. Oz ran against Fetterman. I guess he's the incumbent, and Fetterman's the guy that Oz is very well spoken. He's you know he's a the doctor and he's been on TV for years. Oprah Winfrey kind of launched him in his career and all that kind of thing. Well, he he came out as a Republican. He's not really a, a social conservative at all, but he's very well known and was liked until he ran as a Republican in this last election. But this John Fetterman guy is far left, I think. But he had a stroke, and it's it's sad. I mean, I feel sorry for him. I mean, anyone who has a stroke, that's a bad thing. You don't want that on anybody. But he had this stroke, and he can't hardly talk. I mean, he can't really communicate. He couldn't debate. He couldn't do a lot of stuff. And the general thinking, I I mean, dumb me, you know, up here in the northwest corner of the United States, I thought... Well, man, he he can't win that against Oz. I mean, everybody knows Oz. But he did, according to to the count. He did. And now they're saying, the Hill this morning, that it was primarily because of women. Young women. Mostly young, single, unmarried women. The Hill says, I think most young women feel that the best thing for their rights and for their future for the country, is to vote Democrat. Elizabeth Rickard, 24, she's from Ohio, she voted absentee from England. (laughs) She said, as the Republican Party becomes more extreme and moves away from the core American principles of democracy and rights for all, voting Democrat is the only path forward for us single adult women. The Hill goes on to say there's more to it, but the Hill goes on to say the gender gap among young voters in the midterm mirrors Gallup polls, which show young women trending liberal over the past two decades, while young men have remained relatively centrist. This weekend, the Daily Caller published this. It's time for conservative women to step up. For years, we've heard about toxic masculinity, Yet what we should really be concerned about is toxic femininity. As a result of this year's midterm election poured in, Daily Caller says, one thing, by the way, Daily Caller, if you're not familiar with it, it's a conservative news organization. It was co-founded by Tucker Carlson and another guy. I can't remember his name. But anyway, that's where they're coming from. Many of you would will know this, but if you don't, that's their position. They would share most of the views of of this program, and probably many of you who are listening, not all, but most of our views. Anyway, they continue in this article. As the results of this year's midterm election poured in, one thing became abundantly clear. The radical feminist movement of the 1960s has come to full fruition. In 2011, the late Phyllis Schlafly, she published a book titled The Flip Side of Feminism, warning the culture to be careful with this developing movement that was birthed in the 1960s. I remember the 1960s quite well, and many of you do as well. I also knew Phyllis Schlafly quite well. She was a somewhat regular guest on my daily TV show back in the day. She and I got to be pretty good friends. She was an excellent guest. She was an excellent woman. The book was, and it still is, controversial because it's scriptural rather than woke. No wonder our kids can't even figure out what gender they are when we live in the context of this kind of confusion in the culture. I want to talk to you a little bit more about that today. These trends are having an effect not only on the election, but on the culture and on the family and on what we believe as Americans about the importance and the value of family. I want to take just a moment to encourage you to stand with us financially. We need your support. Um, I'm blessed (laughs) when I read your notes and all of that, and I'm equally blessed when I see your checks and your online donations. I see every one of them. I pay attention. I set aside time to know who's supporting us and who's with us, and you're in our prayers, certainly. But we are so, so thankful for what you do to make this possible. I can be prepared and come to the microphone and try to turn it on, but it wouldn't come on if we couldn't pay the bills. And, of course, that's where you stand with us, and we're able to do so. Thank you. We need your support. We've gone through a little rough patch, and uh, we need to hear from you. So thank you. Our address is Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Or you can go to our website, faithandfreedom.us, and you can make a contribution there online. The number of single women in the United States is rapidly increasing because of the war on family and marriage. A large majority of them are voting Democrat, as I just pointed out from this article today. Polling from the last week's midterm election shows that Democrats led by 37 points among unmarried young women, like young adults. So what's swaying these women to vote Democrat? Well, women are told their their happiness and their worth come from a corporate job, that raising a family will only hold them back. That's pretty common uh, narrative today in today's culture, that the concept of marriage is an outdated and sexist, concept women nowadays would rather be beholden to their jobs and to husbands and children because after all that's true freedom right I can have it all and I want it all I know what I'm saying is going to is getting a little controversial it's going to get more so as we talk so I you know if you can't take it turn it off I guess but this is where we are and I I believe speaking from my heart I believe this what I'm talking about is a biblical perspective on what's happening that is not a biblical perspective. So stay with me. The extension of this kind of thinking has, in my view, created kind of a cultural fog regarding the difference between men and women. A recent example is this newly seated Supreme Court justice. Remember her? Kentaji Brown Jackson, the last one to be seated was a Biden appointee. During her nomination, somebody asked her, I can't remember, it might have been Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee, but someone asked her during the nomination hearing, what is a woman, or can you define a woman? It caught her off guard, but this woman, who now sits on the highest court in the land, couldn't. She couldn't do it, or she just wouldn't answer the question. She wasn't sure, but there was no answer. She couldn't give an answer. This is the form, highest form of confusion that you can I mean, can exist in the culture, yet she rules on the most important issues in the United States today. The caller says, while the feminist movement of the 1960s preached equality as the decades have passed by, we've seen just the opposite occur. Feminists have waged an all-out war against the traditional family, traditional gender roles to create one type of woman, only one type, the career-driven, childless woman. Just last week on The View, and I mentioned this the day it happened on this program. Just last week on The View, ABC's, that women show that they have on, this host, Sunny Hostin, uh, who I think she's a lawyer. Uh, she, anyway, she has a law background, I think. She likened women voting Republican to roaches voting for raid, the bug spray. I mean, that's how crass it has gotten. She said, these women despise other women who reject the false promises of modern-day toxic feminism. The writer of the Daily Caller, Caller article said, look no further than Jefferson County, West Virginia. She said, when myself and my and fellow writer, stay-at-home mother Jennifer Krauss, ran for two positions in the county commission, she said, we were attacked by being traditional conservative women. How many times have we heard of traditional conservative women going out there, believing in marriage, believing in family, believing that God has an order for family. How many of women like that? Authors, speakers, politicians have gone out there and just gotten clobbered by the left. They don't want equal rights for women. And we've got to tell our daughters and granddaughters and whatever that they don't want equality for women they want superiority of far-left activist women. And they don't want the family in the traditional sense. Democrats rallied against our campaigns, this writer says, in West Virginia. This is a very localized situation, but it's, it's mirrored across the country. She said they rallied against our campaigns, decrying that I was tone-deaf. And she said I was a, quote, stay-at-home mom who posts homemade cookies on our campaign page. And that Jennifer's, that's the other lady who's writing this article, that Jennifer's love for her country and family was too extreme, quote, unquote. So much of the of the far left being a, a party of women's rights and women's voices, it isn't. This Claire eighth that wrote the article, she was the primary writer, but there were two ladies, she said if Republicans want any chance of winning f- future elections, they must engage in the culture wars head on, and that means engaging the women of this country to embrace traditional womanhood and to reject toxic feminism. She said we need to build up families, build up communities, and rely on one another rather than the government. Well, she's right. The family is the indispensable institution, the only one capable of producing the next generation and preparing it for the burdens of productive citizenship. If you put aside the spiritual aspect of it, and none of us should, but if you do, from a political, cultural, sociological point of view, you've got to protect the family unit because that's the only thing that works in society. Where the family unit has broken down in history, the culture has collapsed. In every single case, there's 18 major uh, societies or cultures that have existed. There are more than that, but 18 general, generally accepted big ones. And in every case where they abandoned traditional family, the culture collapsed. Every case. It's indis- indispensable. Beginning in the 1960s, a rising share of children have been born to single mothers raised in unstable households. I know some of you listening are, are single mothers or, or you're single young women in this category, and, and you didn't want to be. I understand that. I, I'm an ordained minister. I was a pastor my entire adult life and with youth and adults and music and all that. I, I mean, I've spent my life in ministry. I understand the problems. But I'm telling you that the family is something to fight for. And you know that. I know you do. And I know you understand what I'm saying. And I know uh, you wish your situation was that way. I, I get that. But American children are born annually into um, into married families up until just the 1960s. And it began to change. American children were born into married families compared to 3.1 million. Only 2.1 million American children were born Now, this, like, last year, the last year they took uh, account. But in 1960s, there was 3.1 million born into married families, and the population was nearly doubled from then to now, and yet there are still fewer, with twice as many people. It's a sad situation, and all of the sociologists that I've read at least admit, some of them are very adamant about it, that if we stay on this course, it will bring down the culture. It certainly destroys individual lives. Claire Ath says it was Phyllis Schlafly and a group of housewives in the 1960s that stopped the ERA in its tracks. Schlafly won that battle, but she said, we conservative women have been losing the war since then. In 2011, U.S. News & World Report reported that with the debate of feminism revived by Sarah Palin's Recent claim that she's one of them. Phyllis Schlafly is jumping in with a new book that suggests the 1960s women revolution movement is ruining women and the country. Written with her niece Suzanne Venker, whom I don't know. But they wrote this book together, The Flip Side of Feminism, and it's as current today as it was when they published it. U.S. News quoted Phyllis's niece. She said, The bottom line is that feminism has sabotaged women's happiness. Worse, she said, it's flipped male-female relationships <clears throat> upside down. But one example, just one example, she says, Men, more than ever, are seeking love, marriage, and kids, while women want independence. Schlafly's niece, Benneker, grew up seeing an alternative view in mainstream feminist views on TV and the media. Now she is a mother in Missouri. She's trying to help her aunt when they wrote the book highlight what conservatives feel is wrong with feminism and to bring a new understanding between men and women. The book was controversial from the get-go. It still is today. We'll continue this conversation right here tomorrow.